Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. By the way, if you're a Jed fan, you probably felt like the last time you won a game, CeCe Peniston was actually big on the musical scene. You didn't think I had that in me, did I you? I didn't think you had it in you, but I saw you nodding your head as we were coming back for break, so I shouldn't be surprised. Tapping that foot. That was a good tune back in the day. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. You heard all that on 98.7 FM and, of course, on SportsCenter on ESPN as well. It's Keyshawn J. Will Zubin coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. That great laugh courtesy of the Super Bowl champion Chris Canty. Jay and Keyshawn are getting some well-deserved time off. We'll see them back soon enough, but it's an NFL Monday, so who better to have than a Super Bowl champion? Of course, Key was one. We'll swap out one on offense for one on D. So here we go. The Jets get that win. Mike Greenberg, our resident Jet fan, he'll be here at 7.15 a.m. Eastern to tell you what it means. Was a win actually a loss when you regard draft consideration with the Jags now moving in to the top spot. But before we get to the Jets, there was another team that pulled off a win yesterday with an embattled quarterback of their own. And that, of course, is the Chicago Bears in far better shape to obviously make the playoffs than the Jets would ever be this season. Remember, they were a 3-0 and team out of the gate, and the Jets are now a 1-13 yeah. team. But Trubisky has had a lot of struggles. There's been a ton of criticism. There's been a benching. There's been bringing him back. And that big win against the Vikings, some great numbers on what it means moving forward for Chicago. But first, let's just give it up to the much maligned Mitch on what it means to still be alive for the postseason. We're excited. I mean, this is what you play for. You play for an opportunity to get into the playoffs, and we had a bad streak going there, but um, we knew if we stuck together and battled as a family and just kept leaning on each other um, that we can make a run, and we put ourselves in a position to do so. But at the end of the day, it just comes being, it comes down to being focused one, one day and one game at a time, and uh, we got to enjoy this today, but then also go back to work next week. And But the guys in the locker room are excited. We're just there's, – there's really good camaraderie right now, um, just an intensity and focus that I that I like to see and we're in a good spot and we just got to keep that going so they are in a good spot I want to mention Chris this is the one thing more than anything and obviously this is a huge game between six and seven teams and essentially Minnesota's playoff hopes have totally evaporated with that loss Chicago is right in there battling it out there with Arizona at the bottom of the playoff picture in the NFC uh, they will play the Jacksonville Jaguars next week so a chance to continue to build for a Jags team that obviously won week one has not won since then think about that for a second but the thing I really liked about the Bears yesterday anecdotally Every time Minnesota fought back, the Bears had an offensive drive to counter them. And that's something I haven't seen all season long. Montgomery was absolutely great. And for a young, struggling quarterback to have Montgomery play the way he did yesterday, a buck 46 on the ground. But what I really enjoyed, Matt Nagy now 5-1 and one against the Vikings, not often mentioned. Um, Minnesota kept fighting back, credit to them. But every mm-hmm. time they did, the Bears, the Bears' struggling offense, answered the bell almost every single time. No, I mean, the Chicago Bears beat the Minnesota Vikings at their own game. They controlled time of possession by being able to run the football. They had 42 rushes for 200 yards. So, I mean, that's the story of the game. That's the formula that the Minnesota Vikings try to employ with Dalvin Cook being able to control the clock and play good defense. But that Chicago Bears offense, they found an identity last couple of weeks, and that's behind David Montgomery. Remember, at last week's game against the Texans, the first play of the game, David Montgomery takes it 80 yards, yep. hits his head on the goalpost. Yep. This week, he's got 32 carries for 146 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But the most impressive part about his game was nine of his 32 carries went for first downs. And so when you keep the offense on schedule – 
it makes the game easier for Mitch Trubisky, and that's what we saw yesterday. And Matt Nagy obviously catering to Trubisky, giving him completions that he's comfortable with. A lot of lot of easy completions within the flow of the game yesterday for Trubisky, and he took advantage of them. 71% completion percentage. He did have the one turnover, but he was able to stay within himself. He didn't make those egregious mistakes that we've seen him in games past. He didn't lose the game for his team, and he just managed it, and I think that was the difference. And right now they stand at 7-7, seven and seven, which is just outside of the playoff picture looking in. They're in the eighth spot. The Cardinals have the coveted seventh spot after their win over the Eagles at 8-6. and six. So the Bears are one game back. But as I mentioned, they're taking on – I mean, I guess all season long we had to say that the Jets were the worst team in the league. Maybe right now that distinction belongs to Jacksonville. And for the Bears, perfect timing. That's exactly where they're going. Two wins in a row. Obviously, the quality of competition is what it is. A struggling <laughs> Texans team, Minnesota, yesterday. But remember, uh, right before that two-game winning streak, they had lost to the Lions. So you just don't know what you're getting from this Bears And that team. was because of Trubisky's turnover at the end of that game. Correct. Yeah. And now they come back, and you could put both of those wins largely to an extent on his shoulders. They get Jacksonville on the road. Nothing's a gimme. And then January 3rd, gigantic game, um, because you have to wait to see exactly if the Saints can kind of put a little pressure on the Packers, Bears, Packers to end the regular season. A handful of weeks ago, people were like, I mean, yeah, it's a great rivalry game, that, but that's all it's going to mean. There could be some significance for both teams at the top and bottom of the NFC playoff picture in Week 17. Hey, no doubt. The Green Bay Packers still could be playing for that number one seed. The question is, if they do have the number one seed and that game does mean something for Chicago in terms of getting in, if you're Matt LaFleur, do you play your starters and you keep a division rival out? That would be an interesting scenario to see how that played out. No doubt. Let's talk about the Jets a little bit here in just a moment. But first, speaking of the Packers, you're in a situation where they win. They're in the top spot in the NFC. They took on a really struggling Carolina team. You know, I see all these writers talk about Carolina. Matt Rule is building. I don't see it, man. I think their defense is terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, he made 60. He signed a $60 million deal before ever putting on the headset in an NFL game. And, and I get it. It's a long-term play. They have a new aggressive owner, David Tepper, that's willing to spend money. But all these writers that I respect, all these voices I hear on ESPN and beyond. Oh, it's a long-term play for Carolina. I don't know if they got the right quarterback, and they certainly don't have the right defense. What's interesting is Aaron Rodgers, despite the win and the fact that next Sunday night, they're going to take on the team with, I think, the worst defense in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans. And we know what Aaron is like when he's on fire. That offense against that defense on Sunday night football, off a win with easy pickings coming, you would think at least on the offensive side for Green Bay, and Rodgers is not happy. You know, it is frustrating, but we're 11-3. We won the game. That's a good problem to have. We just know that type of football in the second half, not going to get it done uh, in the playoffs. That's where we're going. That's the trajectory that we're on. We're going to at least host a home playoff game. We win these next two. We're going to be the one seed. So we need to play better these next two weeks. Off a win. By the way, that's off a win. You just hear it in his voice. No, he's frustrated because the offense wasn't as productive as you've seen them. Uh, I think they got a little comfortable. They took their foot off the gas because they got out to a three-possession lead early in that game, and then the Carolina Panthers clawed their way back in. But they've got to find a way to be able to throw that knockout punch. You're going to have to do that when you get into postseason play. And I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is frustrated about. You can't forget how they were ousted out of the playoffs last year. They went out to San Francisco, and that game wasn't even close. I think Jimmy Garoppolo threw a total of eight passes. So, I mean, if you're the Green Bay Packers, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because that is the identity of the team, you got to figure out how to knock teams out of those games. They didn't do that with the Carolina Panthers. A team from a talent perspective is inferior to them. And that's 
that's got to be frustrating for a quarterback that's playing at an MVP level. That's fair enough. And we should also mention on the flip side of that, you're right. That was a 13-win team that got housed by the Niners. But in two years under Matt LaFleur, and everybody said, watch out for the dynamic between LaFleur and Rodgers. There's some friction. There's something going on. Two division titles in two years after missing the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. The Look, looks years. pretty good to me, Zoo. Looks pretty good to me. The marriage between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers is working. Now they got to make sure that the rest of the team comes to the party. No doubt. Keep in mind, the two years before LaFleur, no playoffs. Aaron Rodgers obviously injured in that stead as well, but they are moving in the right direction. We're moving towards our Dr. Pepper Twitter question. We're asking this morning on our Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, and Chris Nation, who do you trust the most in the NFC playoff? We sort of came up with this question, but it sorts of seems like every team has a little bit of a wart. It's not like it's as easy as picking the Chiefs in the AFC. So who do you trust most in the NFC? Chris has weighed in and said Seattle. At MNICE1079 on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Now, this is an interesting one considering what happened yesterday. But, hey, it's your call. It's your opinion. He's going Rams. Hmm. Defense will be prepared in the playoffs. Just have to avoid turnovers. At Hustle underscore God said, quote, Seattle. He's there with Chris. Quote, Seattle. Defense is bend but don't break. And Russ is Russ. I would even go a level higher than bend but don't break. I think they're playing pretty good defense. And Mm -hmm. Russ is indeed is Russ. And Chris at Pat Nice 56 said Green Bay in the playoffs because they will be home. They get stomped in the Super Bowl by whoever <laughs> they play. So he's, I think, thinking a Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl might be back to back for KC. But what's interesting is about the home because it's not home field advantage by having the Lambeau leap and all those folks there. It's the fact of the matter that who wants to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin? or Orchard Park, New York, even if there are no fans, who wants to go there? Do the Rams, do the Bucks, do these warm-weather teams? That's the quote-unquote home field he's talking about. Yeah, nobody wants to go there unless you are a certain Giants team back in 2011 or 2007. But, no, I mean, it is a tremendous home field advantage for the Packers dealing with the elementary receivers, getting used to catching the ball, ball carriers, securing the ball. So I think there is something to it. If they're able to pull it off, if the standings stay as such, then that's going to be huge for the Packers moving forward. We will see. We will see. On the way, what the best win and worst win in New York Jets franchise history have in common after I tell you about this history-making day. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020, a standalone audio documentary that tells the story of the day the NBA shut down and the pandemic became real for many Americans. As told by those who lived the events of that day and built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews, including Rudy Gobert and Dr. Fauci, March 11th, 2020, will tell the story of a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020. You can subscribe and listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. 
Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You can phrase it any way you want. First win in 51 weeks. First win in 358 days. <laughs> mm. Any way you slice it. Maybe the biggest indignity of all is Sean McVay for the first time in his life said something negative, And that's the way you can really tell he's upset. We have our resident Jet fan, Mike Greenberg, joining us this morning. Mike, the big question, of course, is whether this win turned out to be a loss. And I want to just set this up by saying you're a lifelong Jet fan. And we all have our teams that were DNA dyed in the wool with. And you come up with that team. And you come up with your interests because of a helmet, a jersey, a player player, your dad liked that team. You think about all those things way before you get to be a more sophisticated fan and learn about dead money and the cap and the draft. So that said, just from an intrinsic standpoint, just stepping back with your Jets fandom, we'll get into the future of the Jets, what it means, Darnold's future. Just from a simple fan perspective, put yourself back at his eight-year-old Mike Greenberg. Were you happy to see what happened yesterday? No, uh, not at <laughs> okay. all. I tried. Um, I tried. I, I don't, I'd like to think that even at eight years old, I would have understood that that was a devastating win. And let me make it clear. Like, I feel good for the players. And I give them a lot of credit. That's two weeks out of the last three. They were the better team on the field. They should have beaten the Raiders, obviously. We all remember what happened there. So in a completely lost season, when you could easily have packed it in, Two out of three weeks, they were the better team. This is this a team that now, within the second consecutive week, they had a 3,000-mile trip out to the West Coast. They'd just been in Seattle the week before. Now they go out to L.A. and play this game. It was a game they absolutely should have gotten shellacked. So for them to have risen up and been the better team on the field yesterday definitively, I give them a lot of credit. The players, a lot of credit. And I'm happy for them. They will not have to suffer the indignity of an 0-16 season. That said... Obviously, for the franchise, it's devastating. The only thing the New York Jets had going for them, they had one thing going for them, and that is they were in position to get Trevor Lawrence, who everyone says is the next coming of, insert whatever name you want, Elway, Luck, or whatever other you want to put in there. They're no longer that. So now they literally have nothing. They, they, are, they, are, they are the worst. I mean, and Bill Barnwell said it last week. If they don't get the first pick, they're the least attractive coaching job that will become available this offseason, and I think that's right. So I, I feel great for the players, but for the organization, nothing worse than this could possibly have happened. So, gee, if things stay status quo and the Jacksonville Jaguars don't win a game, the Jets end up with the second overall pick, what should they do? Well, that's really the big question here is, did Sam Darnold yesterday become the Jets quarterback for the next two years? They can pick up his fifth year option and they don't have to commit to him beyond that. So he would be their quarterback then for the next two years. What a, what a, what a, what a good organization would do is they would find a coach and they would let the coach make that decision. And that coach would be working hand in hand with the general manager in a perfect world. Those two every now and again would actually be hired at the same time. So in theory, they have some unison in what they are doing as opposed to uh, the, the rare and delicate genius that is Christopher Johnson, who obviously <laughs> sees a different way of doing things. Um, so what I think will happen is the Jets will make that decision and then tell the coach who the quarterback is going to be, which is exactly the opposite of the way you should do that. I would love to see, well, the question is, has Justin Fields, and he will have at least one more opportunity, if not two, to show the world how good he is. They'll play Clemson in the semifinals, and if they find a way to win that, then maybe he gets a shot at Bama. 
Is Justin Fields the kind of player that you get a King's Ransom for the number two pick? You'll get a King's Ransom for number one. Mm -hmm. Would you get a King's Ransom trading away the number two pick? See, I think that's what the decision hinges on, the compensation that the Jets could actually get with the number two pick. Because uh, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, they both think that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going to go one-two. So if you're the Jets and you're at number two, and you're convinced that Sam Donald is going to be your guy at least for the next couple of years, then I think that's really where you have a choice to make. But I'm in agreement with you that the head coach should be the one to make that decision. But I feel bad for all the Jets fans because I think they're in a glass case of emotions to steal a <laughs> phrase from Ron Burgundy from wow. Anchorman just because of, you know, you're in this position where you're rooting for your team because you don't want to see them go winless but you're rooting against your team because you know what's at stake in a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. Now, let me just clarify one quick thing. No Jet fan is is happy at all today that they didn't go winless. Not, not going winless was not – there was no – I think Evan would have something to say about that. Really? I, I, I would not have – look, at the end of the day, there's only one Trevor Lawrence. And if he's really that good, I mean, it would at least have been something to be excited about. If you are rooting for this franchise, which is so dysfunctional, the ownership is so totally out to lunch, um, that at least there would have been something to feel good about. Now there's literally nothing to feel good about. There is nothing better about being 1-15 and and having the second pick than being 0-16 and, and having the first pick. There's no doubt about it. Apparently the ownership is out to lunch in the United Kingdom, though that might be changing from time to time. <laughs> we should mention here, uh, though over the last few weeks, when we've had Mel and Todd on, our draft experts, everybody has said there's been you know, a, a negligible difference between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But over the last few games, especially since Lawrence's return from COVID and the way that Ohio State has struggled, quote unquote, relatively speaking, including against Mike's alma mater over the weekend, that gap has seemed to widen a bit. So let me ask you, moving forward, whether it's one, two, Lawrence, Fields, Fields, Lawrence, Jets, Jags, Jags, Jets, you're looking at a situation where the Jags haven't won since week one. The Jets finally won yesterday. Both coaches are on scalding hot seats and are unlikely to return. Um, the Jets do have a little stability in the front office because you can't pin all this on Joe Douglas while the Jags have been a revolving door in the front office. Neither situation is optimal, but which right now, like if you're Trevor Lawrence saying, all right, I'm not going to pull an Elway, I'm not going to pull an Eli Manning, mm. I'm going to go to the team that drafts me at number one, which team should he hope that is? Well, I'll start by saying it's going to be Jacksonville. Jacksonville wouldn't win another game. Under these circumstances, they're not winning another game. Mm. They, you have a, out of your mind, the Jets just handed them the gift of all gifts as an organization. They'll bench everybody before they'll win another game. Um, I think we were just talking about this during the break, um, Zubin, and it's an excellent question. What the Jets have going for you, if you're Trevor Lawrence, is that at least it is New York. I mean, you get to go to the New York market. You get a chance to be the savior. At, look, I mean, just look at ESPN. Like, for, for however much the Jets have not been winning, half of our lineup are former Jets. Right? <laughs> there are days when on my show, I've got, I've got Mike Tannenbaum, Rex Ryan, and Mark Sanchez all at the same time. And Bart in there. And, and Bart Scott. What am I talking about? I mean, so, you know what I mean? So, like, there, there, is a, there is a value in going to New York. And if you should ever figure out a way to resurrect that franchise and be the quarterback who leads them for the first time in, I mean, look, Joe Namath, look at, look at the celebrity that Joe Namath remains half a century after winning a Super Bowl with the New York Jets. So I think that there would have been some value in that. The Jaguars, who knows? Chris was just saying to me during the break, he is from the southeastern part of the country. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence is. Maybe there's a familiarity there, a comfort level there. It's a little bit less spotlight. I mean, he will get a lot of attention either way, but it's a little bit less glaring of a spotlight, which might be an easier way to break in. So I don't think either is a great 
situation. But to answer your question directly, because I've been saying over and over again that going to the Jets is such a terrible thing, I'll say he's probably better off in Jacksonville. Gee, outside of head coach and the quarterback position, what's the biggest need for the Jets team? Well, I mean, they don't have – a. I mean, their, their their best offensive skill position player has a son in college, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> yeah, right, does. in Frank Gore. <laughs> yep. So they need that desperately. They, they need they, they need running backs. They need to completely compl- they need to complete the offensive line. The best player on the team, obviously, is the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, they they need to solidify the offensive line. I think there are people who are excited about the weapons they have now. I mean, they barely had any opportunity to see what this team looks like with Mims and Perriman and Jamison Crowder on the field. In a perfect world, maybe you add one more piece to that. They're going to bring back C.J. Mosley last year. Their best defense, well, the two best players on their defense, one of them they traded before the season started. He's now in Seattle, and the other one opted out in C.J. Mosley. But they, 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 they need someone who can rush the passer, I would think. I mean, we've been saying that forever. The yep. Jets have not found an, an out, like a, what do you call it, an edge pass rusher in a really long time. So those, I think, would be the needs. But the Jets, I am a firm believer having watched Bill Belichick win all of the games that he's won over the years, is that he, he won the, the, all those Super Bowls with two things. Obviously a great quarterback. That's number one. But then not so much two or three other great players as like 15 really, really good ones, which is why I would be in favor of trading the second pick and getting as much as you possibly can for it. And instead of getting one excellent player there, trying to get four really, really good ones. Last thing before we let you go, you mentioned Tom Brady, uh, Bill Belichick, of course, his old coach, his new coach, Bruce Arians. I don't think you're the president of the Bruce Arians fan club from what I can gather. (laughs) But yesterday, look, I mean, it was the Falcons. So when they got down, I'm sure he just thought about being down 28-3, channeled himself, made sure he got it done. Um, We don't really trust anybody in the NFC. That's our poll question this morning. Who do you trust in the NFC? The answer might be nobody. Chris is going with Seattle. What did you make of that putrid first half and that amazing second? Second half, the Falcons challenging the Chargers for devastating ways to lose. Here's what I would say is that in the and I'm going to steal this from Ryan Clark. We just had our production meeting for Get Up. And so RC is going to say this with a great deal more insight and probably more concisely than I'm about to when we get on TV in a little while. But the first half was Bruce Arians offense. And the second half was Tom Brady's mm. offense. Because in the first half, they go in there with their plan, and it stinks. And then when they're, they're way behind, it's like, Tom, just go out there and find the open guy and make stuff happen. And all of a sudden, they look a lot better. And so when Bruce Arian says, if we can do it for 30 minutes, why can't we do it for 60? He really needs to ask himself that question. He seems to know less about his own team based <laughs> upon the, the questions he tends to ask in press conferences. He asks more questions in press conferences than the reporters. Um, the reality of it is that when, when everything was done, when they were down, and they just uh, Brady just go out there and find a way to win us the game. He threw for four hundred yards. So that that to me, I think, is the answer to the question. But are they the team that you trust? Absolutely not. I can't believe I'm saying this, but right now, based upon the path, I think the team that if I had to pick one in the NFC, I would pick Green Bay, which I have been their biggest critic all along, and I still can't believe that they drafted a scout team quarterback with their first pick last year. But at this point considering it's going to be negative 10 at Lambeau Field in January, and Aaron Rodgers seems to love that, who do you see going in there and beating them? I I think right now, if I had to bet on the NFC team in the Super Bowl, I think I would bet on the Packers. And they can solidify themselves. They got the Titans, who have a 
terrible defense on Sunday night football. I know Rodgers wasn't happy with their work on Saturday, but if they can click the way they're used to clicking, you get that future defense, then you get the Bears to close out the season on January 3rd. You're already in pole position for the top spot. Home field doesn't have anything to do with fans, but to your point, do you want to go to Green Bay? Do you want to go to Orchard Park if you're Sean McVay or if you're Tom Brady and you're a warm weather team? It's fascinating to think about. Mike Greenberg giving us the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We'll see you on TV with RC and the gang in 31 minutes. It's really appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, my pleasure. It's not, I like it in here. This is my first time on – every time I've been with you guys, I've been on our set across the hall. It's very nice in here. I like what you've, I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. And one more note with Mike beginning Tuesday, January 5th. Mike begins his new show, Greeny, immediately following our show on ESPN Radio. Greeny taking you inside the stories of the day as only he can, the A-list newsmakers that you'd expect Mike to get, and he'll interact with you every single weekday. So from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, right into Greeny, weekday mornings right here on ESPN Radio when the calendar turns on January 5th. I like that. You, you did it just the way I wrote it. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I did it verbatim. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to modify the words here and say we'll go Chiefs-Saints discussion. Let's talk more quarterbacks. Let's talk teams that have postseason hopes. We spent a ton of time with Greeny talking about Jacksonville and the Jets. <laughs> Let's ramp up the conversation a little bit. ESPN football analyst Dan Orlovsky joining us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof's in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Let's talk about the Chiefs the Saints, what you saw from Mahomes yesterday in crunch time and the fact that Drew Brees arguably, I understand it's his first game back in about a month, had the worst performance of his illustrious career. <laughs> what, a, what a lead in, Z. Uh, Chris, what up, man? I think you what do up? a great job on radio, bro. Just wanted to say that. You know, um, I'd say this. We, I figured Drew would struggle a little bit. You know, Kansas City's defense is very good. It's very aggressive. No one plays more press man coverage outside of maybe the Dolphins in Kansas City. No Michael Thomas, so you're talking about the strength of the defense versus an offense that's a little bit beat up and just getting back to playing football for Drew Brees. And this isn't a 21-year-old coming back from those injuries. This is a 40-year-old coming back from those injuries. So I expected that Chiefs defense to kind of stay on the aggressive mindset and have success. But for Patrick Mahomes, like that, that's the story of the day, Z, for that football game is – you know, we can't take watching greatness for granted. You know, this, this was the perfect kind of setup for the Patrick Mahomes to have a struggle game and lose. Now, on the road, number one defense in the NFL, one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, three starting offensive linemen aren't there. This is the perfect formula for him to play poorly and for them to lose. Still wasn't enough. Like, that's competitive greatness. It's like when they needed him to be at his absolute best, especially in the second half with some of those third downs, he was, it, was, it was there. He was there. And I just I put it simply like this. I don't see him allowing them to lose a meaningful football game this season. I, 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 just, I could put it as simply as that. He is that remarkable a player when they need him to be at his best. Dan, from a schematic standpoint, did the Saints defense give the rest of the NFL the blueprint on to how to try to slow down Pat Mahomes in that offense? Nah, because you don't got the guys. Like, you, you don't got the two lockdown cover corners. You don't got good cover safeties, active linebackers in the front four. You know, Chris, you know this. Like, their front four for New Orleans is so good because they can play with the front four. And we always often tie it to just 
coverage or just, but, the, but yeah, just coverage, but their front four allows them to play the run really well as well. Then that allows those two safeties to play back and commit people numbers wise to coverage. And so there's not a lot of teams that have the people. And here's the thing, like the, the, you need a full, complete team kind of formula to beat Kansas City. You've got to be able to be explosive on offense. You've got to be able to own the football. You're not going to like stop this Chiefs offense. They will score 30-plus points. You have to be able to match it and match it and match it. And I, I've said this. I think the only team in the NFL that can do that, at least in the AFC, excuse me, is the Buffalo Bills. And I've been on that for two months. And so the formula is very unique, and there's only a few teams in the NFL that can kind of apply it. Dan, let's look at the matchup between the two Oklahoma quarterbacks out in the desert yesterday, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. I know Jalen Hurts took the L, but how impressive was his performance to you yesterday? Absolutely fantastic. You know, he has, he has taken an opportunity and absolutely ran with it. I mean, the thing that stands out, Chris, is like the, the situational piece he plays with. You don't see young players play with this peace, this poise of knowing exactly what he needs to do in those situations, whether it's on fourth down and getting the ball out of his hands, some of the runs that he's making, the, the, the decision-making of when to go and take that run, the decision-making of where the ball needs to go, some of the clutch plays that he's had have just been so impressive. Um, the Eagles have something in Jalen Hurts. I, I can't sit here and say, like, yeah, he's this you know, bona fide future franchise quarterback after eight quarters. But there's nothing that tells me that he can't be. There's nothing that's showing up right now that tells me he can't make those throws. Yes, he can. Uh, he, he's, he's bad in the pocket. No, he isn't. Uh, he can't create plays. Yeah, 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 he's able to do that. And so the Eagles 100% have something with Jalen Hurts. Dan, to highlight your point about the poise that Jalen Hurts plays with, that fumble that he had in the fourth quarter, 30 Unreal. seconds left, picks it up and completes the pass to Dallas Goddard. That was unbelievable. But staying in the NFC West, what happened to the Rams yesterday? Yeah, here's, here's the thing. The Rams are a really good team when on schedule. A really good offense when they are able to dictate to the defense. So the offensive line's playing well in both phases, both in the run and the pass game. The run game is working, and they're keeping Jared Goff clean. When Jared Goff is clean, he makes good decisions, throws the ball accurately. When Jared has to play off schedule, whether it's within the, the rhythm of the down and distance, second and nines, third and sevens, or off schedule when it comes to protection in the pocket, his play as a quarterback falls off. And the Jets defensive line kind of owned the Rams offensive line early on, and Jared wasn't good enough to make up for it. And then they just got into that huge hole. And their football team just laid, laid them down. Special teams, which has been a trademark of their, that, that football team since Sean McVay has been there. They made plays. Jared Goff turned the football over, especially in his territory. And then they didn't make the play that they needed to. That third down shot was there. They didn't make that. That fourth down shot was there. They didn't make that. And so I, I was shocked by it. Uh, I don't think that that tells us much about the Rams. We know who the Rams are, a really good football team that as long as long as they are able to dictate to the defense, they'll play well. But once the defense kind of forces that offense to play on its heels, it's a completely different football team. Last couple for you, Dan. I want you to make sure you answer our poll question on the way out the door. But first, this is one of the teams that would be right in consideration for the answer. You just said, you know who the Rams are. I think after all these weeks, we still don't know who the Bucks are. What do you make of their first half against the Falcons? 
and then Brady channeling his usual magic against the Falcons when being down what he did in the second half. Yeah, Z, I mean, this is the same story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coaches hold them back. Players pull them out. Like the coaches dig them the hole and then the players dig themselves out of it. Anybody who tells me Tom Brady can't play anymore, I, just go look at the second half. He threw for 320 yards in the second half. Guy threw it for a quiet 400 yards. I don't care if it's against my high school. Like the guy, when you keep him clean and you protect him, is as deadly as he's ever been. That's the story, though. The first half, they had no protection plan. Tom Brady was getting hit left and right. Blitzes coming. You're like, guys, what is the protection plan? And then the second half, they decide to bring in a couple more numbers. They keep Tom Brady clean. And that's when they're able to carve people up. And so I I love the talent on the football team. I absolutely love it. And this was my pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC in August. I can't get over the fact of how much I think their coaches hold them back. How much I feel like they're, like that's the, that's the difference between me and other teams in the AFC. I mean, not me. For me is the Bucks and the other teams in the NFC. Like I watch other teams in the NFC like Green Bay and I see their coaches take a really good team and elevate them. I, I see a, um, a Seattle Seahawks team and I see coaches take that offense and elevate it just a little bit. I see teams like the Saints that are really good and their coaches elevate them. I don't see that with Tampa Bay, and I haven't seen it all year. And uh, we got to run here, Dan, but real quick, our poll question this morning, who's the one NFC's team you trust the most? Yeah, Green Bay. I think they're the only team in the NFC that has a coach that creates open, you know, kind of wide open layup throws for their quarterback, and then they, they have the quarterback that can make the five jaw-dropping throws that are needed a game to win a Super Bowl. And Green Bay is the only team in the NFC that has that. And that's exactly what your cohort Mike Greenberg said as well. we we'll see you and Greeny and the Get Up Gang coming up top of the hour on ESPN. Dan, thanks. Thanks, guys. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including Dan, appear on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. On the way, very quietly, is one NFL running back about to run his way into the record books. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. 
We swapped out our Super Bowl winner, Key. He's on vacation, as is Jay. They'll be back soon enough with the Super Bowl stud of our own and Chris Canting. It's great to have him here. Every Monday at this time, first blush reaction to what we saw Sunday. Normally, it's Key Observations brought to you by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. But today, the alliteration a little bit different. It's Canty's Observations, and let's Let's go. Let's go. You heard the man. Let's go. Lions and Titans. Listen, man, Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. He's not only the engine for that offense, but he's the catalyst that makes that team go, Zubin. I mean, Derrick Henry, I mean, they gave him the bag, and he's gotten even better than where he was at last year. He didn't pull a Zeke Elliott. He didn't pull a Christian McCaffrey. He continues to produce, and he's a big reason why Ryan Tannehill has had a resurgence in his second act in the National Football League. Let me mention Henry, 321 yards away from 2,000 yards, the vaunted 2,000-yard mark, which Adrian Peterson, Eric Dickerson, some of the legends have gotten to if he gets there or if he just finishes as the NFL's top rusher. It'll be the first time since LT we've had back-to-back that would be Tomlinson, back-to-back rushing champions. Bears and Vikings. Another win for Mitch Trubisky in the Bears playoff hopes stay on life support. They got the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up and the Green Bay Packers. So you can make an argument that they have an easier road than the Arizona Cardinals, the team that's in that seventh spot right now. But make no mistake about it. The last two wins for the Bears, it ain't because of Mitch Trubisky. It's because of David Montgomery, their running back. Yesterday, 32 carries for 146 yards and two touchdowns. That offense needs to run through him. Trubisky just can't mess it up. Think about that number of totes that Chris just said that's a gigantic number of carries from one embattled quarterback to another. Eagles at Cardinals. Here's the thing. Jalen Hurts has shown that Doug Peterson, their head coach, ain't the problem in Philly. It's been Carson Wentz. He was turning the football over at an incredible rate. The most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. Nobody's touching Jalen Hurts out here. He just continues the ball. It's going over 300 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns. That game came down to the wire. And, you know, listen, the kid put them in position to have a shot at the end zone. And with the rookie quarterback, that's really all you can ask for against a playoff caliber team. You got to give it up for Jalen Hurts. He's going to make a difficult decision for Howie Roseman this offseason on what they do with the quarterback position moving forward. Roseman, the executive vice president of the Eagles. It's prediction time from Chris. Jaguars at Ravens. Here's the thing, man. The Baltimore Ravens, they keep coming up. They keep coming up and you look at their road to go. I mean, it's not impossible to think that they could win out and be a team that's in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, I was ready to leave them out for dead yesterday, but they, <laughs> they, they, they came through in fine fashion with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And because the Ravens have such an easy schedule, you're probably talking about Zubin, a double-digit win team in the AFC being on the outside looking in of the postseason. Very notable because this year the playoff field has gone to an extra team to seven, so you would think double digits normally gets you in when you are a – playoff situation where you've got six teams like it's been for the last 30 years yep. but to have a seventh and add it and then 10 still not be enough according to chris that's something finally the end of an era patriots at dolphins yeah the patriots they've been in the playoffs a long time. I mean, I think it's 11 straight seasons. They've been in the postseason, and that came to an end yesterday down in Miami. Bill Belichick, he's usually money when he's going up against rookie quarterbacks. Hadn't lost to a rookie quarterback since 2013, but that happened yesterday down in Miami, and it wasn't Tua's arm, 
but it was his legs in situational football, being able to get the ball in the end zone, not once, but twice. And then that defense, of course, making it tough on Cam Newton and company. So you got to give props where props is due. Been a long time coming for the Dolphins. They look to have their quarterback for the future and their franchise headed in the right direction. But it is an end of an era with the New England Patriots. Only seems apropos that the team that essentially ended their reign atop the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, they will take on Buffalo. New England will next Monday night on ESPN. So let's take a look back before we take a look forward because this is obviously now a fascinating team. You played, you were a contemporary colleagues of so many of these guys that put together this amazing stretch of non-losing seasons, the division crowns, the Super Bowl championships. You know what it's like as a member of the New York Giants, of course. Let's first take a look back at what they accomplished. And I think we're starting to take the Pats for granted, like we're taking Mahomes for granted. We're just looking at the greatness and saying, hey, how come he wasn't great again? I think for the Pats, there's a moment to reflect and just say, sure, a new era is coming. But that last one is probably unmatched no matter how old you live to be. Zoo, I never thought we'd see a marriage between head coach and quarterback like Bill Walsh and Joe Montana until we saw Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Not one, but two dynastic runs. Early 2000s, they won the Super Bowl three out of four years. And then in the 2010s, they won the Super Bowl three out of five years. And you're probably talking about another dynastic run in there had it not been for the New York Giants that beat them in 2007 and then my team in 2011. So just to put that in perspective, I mean, think about it. Two decades of excellence from the New England Patriots in the salary cap era we haven't seen that before in the National Football League it's really hard to stay at the top of the sport for that long when the league is set up to have parity so you got to give respect where respect is due Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft being able to keep that Patriots organization at the top of the National Football League for so long okay so we paid homage now comes the hard part What happens moving forward? I don't know, but Cam Newton doesn't look like he's the answer at the quarterback position. And Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that said, you better not let Bill Belichick get a healthy Cam Newton. I was wrong, and I'm willing to admit that. But now they've got to pivot. They've got to be able to find a quarterback. But they've got to clean up some of the salary cap issues that they've had. Now, keep in mind, they had a lot of guys opt out, especially on the defensive side of the ball because of COVID. So they'll be getting reinforcements back, Dante Hightower and company, in 2021. But they still got to figure out an identity on the offensive side of the ball. And to me, that means finding the next franchise quarterback that's a good point you got to think about Hightower opting out Uh, he had a child recently so obviously everything going on with COVID and a newborn and then you saw what happened to Gilmore in the game yesterday I mean what they're calling it right now is a major knee injury we'll have to wait to see what happens I think you can make an easy argument those of course are the two most important pieces of the Pats defense and of course we know Belichick is a defensive stalwart again on the way this morning college football talk with Paul Feinbaum coming up at 8 30 I know all the college fans are like where's the college talk It's coming. So is the Super Bowl talk with Tom in Tampa and the Bucks at Raymond James. That's on the way. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.